What's up, everybody? Josh Aarons here with the Israel Collective Podcast, and today I am hanging out with my buddies Raj and Sammy, and we're talking about why the Israel Collective supports Israel. The reasons we talk about may surprise you and also inspire you. It's a great conversation. Check it out. Raj and Sammy, good to be with you guys. Uh, so I want to talk with you guys about why the IC supports Israel, because it, it might sound kind of funny, but I get that question all the time. And I think you guys do too. People just say like, why do you support Israel? And what is it about the issue of Israel that moves you to action? So I thought we, we could get together. I want to throw a few scriptures at you guys, get your thoughts on it, and just go into, you know, why does the IC support Israel and why is it such a big deal? So I, I would say to start, when people say, what, what does it mean to support Israel? I would say simply, it's the belief that the Israeli people have a right to exist and a right to live in peace. And people say, you know, well, of course, that's, that's obvious, right? And, and that's where we get into why we, you know, why we do what we do, because to a lot of folks, it's not obvious. So maybe we can start there and just talk about uh, some of the some of the ideas out there that um, you know make it necessary to explain to folks that we do we do need to take action to help Israel, you know, have a right to live and exist in peace. That's good, Josh. You, you know, again, when you when you're talking about Israel and their right to exist, you know, it's funny how um, um, I guess how the world has seen Israel. You know, it's it's right for everyone else to exist except them. Right. And, 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 and why them out of all people, why do people say, no, everyone can exist except them. They can exist. But, but I'm with you. I, I, I think that's the reason why, um, why we believe not only just on a, on a personal level, on a humanitarian level, mm. right. Hey man, because they're humans, they're human beings. They, 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 um, uh, they must exist. Right. And of course we can also look at the, you know, we can always look at the biblical area, you know, as to why we stand with Israel. But no, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely with you on that. I think one of the more interesting um, Facebook posts I've seen in a while is one of my friends. She's Jewish. She lives in New York. Um, I used to work with her. And she, when all this um, anti-Semitic attacks start happening um, right around the time of the last Gaza conflict, she was like, you know, hey, when this happened, I stood with your people. When this happened, I raised my voice for you guys. When I saw this injustice, I was the first one out there. I don't see any of you guys coming to my aid. I'm scared as a Jewish person living in New York City in the United States of America. First off, that's disgusting that, we, that we're at that point again. But I think for a lot of us, it's, oh, like, are they really um, maligned? Because I... I to a certain extent, the United States of America still is probably one of the safest places to be a Jewish person in the history of the world. And so there's still that kind of, are we blowing this out of proportion? Um, but you can look at it numerous ways. Historically, um, arguably the most persecuted people group in the history of the world. You can look at it um, from around the world. You know, there's still a bunch of countries in this world that you cannot go to with an Israeli passport. Um, there's anti-Semitic attacks happening all the time, unfortunately, from Sweden to Paris to Los Angeles to Pittsburgh to, I live here in San Diego. I'm about 25 minutes from a synagogue here in Poway where a Jewish congregation faced a terrorist attack. I live in San Diego, California. 
Um, and I think it's easy to, uh, is it, uh, and I don't know if it's necessarily apathy, which I'm sure there is a lot of apathy, but I think it kind of goes back to that original concept, which is the hatred of the Jewish people or, or the suspicion of the Jewish people or the, I don't care about the Jewish people. There's something a lot more profound here. And if you let it, it will fester. And it will turn into something much more serious. When Adolf Hitler took power, he didn't go from, hey, I'm the chancellor, here's Auschwitz. You know, it was a process. And if we don't recognize that things are happening right now that have repeated for millennia, um, we won't see that. And I do think that the Bible is, at the end of the day, the greatest reminder of why God has such a heart for Israel. And I think that's why the enemy has such a disdain for Israel. But we'll get into that. Yeah, that's good. And we should mention that um, anti-Semitic attacks on Jewish people around the world are at record levels right now, and they seem to be slowly climbing. And so, like you mentioned, Raj, it wasn't it wasn't just an overnight thing. It's this it's this trend that you see that keeps getting more and more, and it can only happen if people don't speak out. And I think. Uh, Christians have a unique ability to speak out because there are there are a lot of us and because of the beliefs that we hold that come from the Bible and the values that come from the Bible. And so when you when you see a people group, any people group being maligned or attacked or what have you, then you have a moral obligation to speak up. Um, so I would love to throw some scriptures at you guys and kind of maybe start from the beginning and we can go into exactly why the Israel Collective supports Israel and the Jewish people and what really animates us because there, there are also some some things I've you know I've heard from folks who they they kind of say well don't you support Israel for this reason or don't you support Israel for you know and then they'll give kind of a like a funny kind of eccentric reason or something like that and it's like no it's it's actually pretty simple so I'm going to throw this is this is just from Genesis chapter one very beginning of the Bible and Genesis 1 teaches us God created mankind in his own image in the image of God, he created them, it says. So what do, you, what do you guys think? What are, if we start there and say that every single human being is created in God's image, how does that inform how we view Israel and the Jewish people? Yeah, so I mean, again, it's, it's, it's funny how God, when he writes, the, when the scripture is written, sometimes it's self-explanatory, right? That, that specific verse is self-explanatory. God created man in his own image. Well, amen. And, and, and whatever you would call a human being, right? Those that, uh, that look like us, right? Different colors. You have uh, Anglo there and uh, Hispanic right here and, and uh, Indian there. And, 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 and you see the dynamics of, of culture, right? And you look at how God has created it for his purpose, for his glory. Um, and so when he says, we, you know, I have made man in my own image, um, that's, I think that's going to be one of the, the greatest shockers when we see the Lord is how he really looked. The Bible tells us, right, that we will see him as he is. And it would be, it would be incredible to see how we can see ourselves in him. Um, and whether you're black or white or Hispanic or Jew, um, that's the beauty of God. That's how he created us in his image. And so when we start looking at individuals through the eyes of who he is, you begin to recognize how, how beautiful people really are. 
And and it's it's sad though how we have taken the Jewish people. Again, we can take people, but for some reason we'll take the Jewish people and we'll make it as if they are not. When in reality, um, they are. Uh, matter of fact, not only are they a part of who God is, uh, or who God is and how He created them, um, God has also um, created them for a even a greater purpose. Yeah, I think that's I, I think that's the beauty of who of of being made in the image of God. Um, so I hope that makes sense. I, I'm just saying that it's self-explanatory. In his image, we were made. Anyway, everyone. Yeah, that's good. Well said. And it establishes equality right out the gate, right? Chapter one, the Bible, it says, created us in his image. And so that means we're all the same. No one's, no one's better or worse. And everyone is exactly the same. So every people group, it deserves the exact same things. So I think if you're starting from that baseline, you can't have one set of rules for one group, one standard for another. Everyone's equal. So fast forward a little bit, and you have. You have John 3.16, another just mind-blowing verse. Firstly, that we're created in his image. And in John 3.16, we learn, and in many other places as well, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So like so much going on there. Like we, we could talk about eternal life and, and all that, but for the moment, God, God loves the world, right? So not only are we created in his image, but he loves everybody equally and fully. Uh, so how, do, how does that relate to us and the Israeli people? Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, realizing that, we might not feel like we have a proclivity to uh, malign a certain people group, but I think historically, and even amongst the church, there was there there's a, a a history, unfortunately, of making the Jewish person less than. Um, now, what's great about that is obviously we not great about the fact that the church has that history, but great about what you did, the scripture you just mentioned is that we as the church rightly applied to what scripture actually says. Yes. We're all creating the image of God. We all have inherent, infinite, equal value. We are all loved. Um, and it's from that place that I do think we can actually see a situation forward in the, in the, in the Holy land, right? Like God loves Palestinians, he loves Egyptians, he loves Syrians, he loves people from Florida and Ohio. Like he, he is the father of us all. And I think whenever there's a slight, um, here's the thing, at the end of the day, the only reason that everyone has inherent values because scripture, right? Without, without, without this book, it's all just, you know, what you tell yourself. But the fact that we as Christians specifically, and I think a lot of people that listen to this are Christians, there's no second guessing. Um, whether you dislike a people group or not, that's not that's not up to you to say that God doesn't love them. And so as someone who follows Jesus and it says, you know, to love your neighbor as yourself, we are to look at for the best interest for Jewish people, for the Israeli people, for Palestinian people, and those things aren't mutually exclusive. But we have to start with the place of that Israeli Jewish person who has been maligned for centuries and is currently maligned all over the news has inherent value. Um, and it's from that place that we can, and same thing with the Palestinians, it's, it's 
from that place that we can actually start to unpack, okay, why is there this situation that we're currently in? Yeah, that's good. You're touching on something so important too, Raj, that if you, if you look at it as a zero-sum game, like one, one group has to win and another group lose, you know, is it Israelis versus Palestinians? And, and you're exactly right. It's, it's the opposite. When you look at it through a biblical lens, you can see a way forward and a way upward and towards God and what he has for us for both people groups. And that is just one of the, the core, core things that the IC has always been, been built on. So I want to touch a little bit more on um, what we mentioned about the rising levels of anti-Semitism and really our, you know, how do I want to phrase this? Really what the power that we have as, as Christians and as, as really anyone who believes in equality and universal rights to speak up against that. And so in Proverbs chapter 21, it says, whoever shuts their ears to the cry of the poor will also cry out and not be answered. And this is one that really sticks with me because we know Israel is not necessarily poor um, in, a, in a sense of, of money. You know, they're, they're a prosperous people in a prosperous country in many ways, but they, they, are, they are poor when it comes to friends and allies. And we can see that, right? You have Jewish people being attacked in New York and LA and not many people really recognizing the danger of that and, and doing much about it. So what do, what do you guys think about that as Christians? How are we to to view that scripture and what we can do. You know, you know, it's amazing, Josh, how, um, how that scripture is written, right? If you don't hear the, you don't hear the cries of someone read it, read it again. So I can, so I can or read it again. So we can understand what it, what it says again. Yeah. Whoever shuts their ears to the cry of the poor will also cry out and not be answered. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, as Christian, we don't believe in karma, right. Um, or, you know, what goes around comes around. But what Solomon is saying is, look, you know, your heart towards someone will only not will not only be revealed, but it will also be received the same way. Um, so if we were, God forbid, you know, we close our ears to the suffering, to the poor, um, you know, to those who are in need, and we close our ears from it, basically like a little kid does, like you know, when their mom and dad or you know someone saying something to you, they put their their finger their ears, la 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 la, I'm not hearing you. That's the heart, unfortunately, that we have towards humanity sometimes. Our hearts can be so um, impure and so evil and rebellious uh, towards God and then towards people that we'll turn a blind eye to what's right in front of us. And God forbid, uh, especially from, for those that are being, uh, you know, that are being um, unjustly accused or, you know, or, 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 you know hated on, um, again, uh, like the Jewish people. And if we as Christians, believers, and followers of Jesus uh, who understand, hey, look, man, stand for what, is, what Scripture tells us, stand for injustice, stand for what is right, uh, stand for those that are suffering, that are, you know, that, that, that are in poverty, uh, or that are being accused for no apparent reason or another, right? Again, that's where we as Christians say, look, no, no, we're going to take a stand, and I'm not going to turn my deaf ear to this. Matter of fact, because what does Solomon say? Proverbs, man, you turn that deaf ear, you close your ears to it. Well, then it's going to come right back at you, and one day when you cry out and you need help, man, no one's going to be there to listen. And so, you know, the, the godly way of approaching this, especially as Christians, the godly way of approaching this is, is to learn to love 
like God would, right? I think one of the most dangerous prayers you and I could ever pray, and I, and I get it that there are some here today that are watching that are Christians. Here's a prayer that I would challenge all of us to pray, and that is when we wake up in the morning and say, Jesus, today, let me see people through your eyes. Uh, it'll change your heart. And, and when we begin to see people through the eyes of Christ, different story. I think when you look at scripture, um, and the one you just quoted was about the poor, um, I think there's a lot of um, other scriptures that say similar things. The outcast, um, the outsider, the foreigner, the maligned, the forgotten, the prisoner, this, that, and the other. And you're right. In this current situation, the state of Israel has been blessed financially. Um, but I thought what you said was actually pretty brilliant in the sense that they are poor when it comes to friends. They're poor when it comes to allies. And I think this might be a little politically spicy, but just because someone's poor doesn't mean that that necessarily is the, the one that needs to be um, propped up in the sense that let's think about the situation. Or just because someone's rich, that doesn't mean that they are the greatest thing ever. Or vice versa, you know what I'm trying to say. I mean, if you look at the Jewish people in Central Europe before Hitler, they were doing fine. But when stuff hits the fan, who has their back? When, when tragedy, the train is, is coming, who's going to stand in the way? And I think at the end of the day, yes, I think when, when scripture talks about helping the poor, it means literally helping the poor, right? Uh, when it talks about the, those that are in prison, it means, yes, literally go visit those in prison and give them the hope that you've been given. Tell them about the good news. Um, but I think from a, from, a, from a God's heart thing, I think that if you just look at history and unfortunately now, the Jewish people and the state of Israel, even though they're making treaties with, with people nowadays, they're still kind of the world's pariah. And I think that it's incumbent upon us to, to think, okay, you've been the pariah for like 4,000 years. And obviously it's, it's morphed and it's changed and something deeper is happening here. And I think it's satanic. I think the fact is that the Jewish people haven't done everything right all the time. The state of Israel hasn't done everything all the time. We have to make that disclaimer. But the fact of the matter is historically, biblically, and even nowadays, the poorest country in terms of um, what other country in the world currently has another country saying, we want to get a nuclear bomb as quickly as we can to eradicate your entire population. If any other country in the world, I don't know, Canada, Switzerland, Ecuador, hey, we're Bolivia or Tanzania. Our current mission is to build a nuclear bomb, and we're saying it out loud, to destroy your entire population. People will be like, um, Bolivia, what? No. And yet here we are giving that country, Iran, billions of dollars. Um, that's a different story for a different day. But I do think that the idea that let's let's at least go a little bit deeper and a little bit more nuanced 
what it, what it means to support those who are downcast and outsiders. Because in my estimation, and I could be wrong, the Jewish people and the state of Israel are like the poster childs for like outcast and outsiders and demonized. And yet, according to this book, I don't think that's the way God sees them. Um, and so I think that's the that dichotomy that we're working with is something more intense is happening here than checkpoints, right? Something happened more in World War II than, hey, we blame you for World War I. Something deeper is happening um, throughout history whenever the Jewish people are attacked. It's, it's whatever is politically expedient is the excuse, but there's something demonic about this hatred, this um, marginalization of the Jewish people. And it happens slowly, but then it happens fast. And we're at that point where it's starting to become politically okay. I mean, you have members of Congress saying some blatantly anti-Semitic things and they get a little slap on the wrist. Um, and so it's happening, it's, it's, it's ramping up. And, you know, we always like, oh, if I was in Germany in the 30s, I would have done something. I'm like, for real? Would you know? Um, and now it's getting very, very, almost physically dangerous to say, I, I, I dare you, drive up two hours from here, drive, walk around parts of LA, just blazing like, hey, I, I love Israel. I don't know what's going to happen to you. Like, you might, might, you might be fine. There's this specific, historic, unreasonable focus on the Jewish people that makes them the outcasts and the outsiders and that we as Christians, in the majority for now, should stand with. Yeah, yeah, man. And you, you touched on something really interesting, too, that this has been going on for 4,000 years. So those who say, oh, well, this is only going on because and then they, they kind of make up or exaggerate something about the state of Israel, which has only existed since 1948. Well, what about, you know, what about the other 3,950 years before that? It's, a, it's, it's something that has been constant from biblical times to now, and it's something that you you mentioned, Raj, again, this this pattern of it, it can start out slowly, and then all of a sudden, it's fast, and almost overnight, in a way, you have, you have, like, crystal knocked, where, where all the Jewish businesses in Germany were, were attacked, and the windows were broken, and, and all of that, and you have this moment where you see this buildup, and then, boom, something even bigger happens, and I think we, we're definitely seeing an acceleration right now of attacks on Jewish people and on, and on the Jewish state. What, where, where else in the world do you see terror groups encamped on, on every border around this tiny state that's uh, the size of New Jersey, tiny country, the size of the state of New Jersey, right? And you have ISIS, Hezbollah, Hamas, um, Al-Qaeda, like almost every ter terror group you can name right on the border waiting to attack Israel, wanting to attack Israel. And, and they did just a couple months ago. And it's like, it's like we're just kind of used to it. It's been going on for so long that perhaps people who are not Jewish just kind of take it for granted that there always be this, you know, these attacks and this kind of thing going on, where if it was happening to any other group, we would be shocked, and rightly so. But we're just kind of used to it. But it can only happen if we just kind of stand around and say nothing or say, oh, yeah, there's always going to be a little bit of that. And the fact is, there shouldn't be. And if it's accelerating, then 
then we as Christians, if we truly believe what we claim to believe, right, we will stand up and speak up against this. And we, and because of our numbers and our beliefs, we have the ability to, to put a stop to it and to let Israel know, and, and also to let people who wish Israel harm know that Israel's not alone. Well, and I think if you, uh, there's a, there's a common joke amongst Israelis, and this goes to the point of this not being a new thing. Um, it's not, it's not a crass joke, but they, they say, how do you understand every Jewish holiday? They tried to kill us. We survived. Let's eat. And that's it. And, and you know, it always gets a laugh, but it's like, Hey, we're talking about Passover, Egypt, Pharaoh, thousands of years ago. So this thing isn't new, but I think when you were talking about Israel being surrounded, first thing that comes into my mind is, yet when you're there, you feel this weird peace, right? In the presence of my enemies, you prepare a table. So what if we are not just reading the Bible, but in the Bible? What if we are witnessing the greatest miracle? I mean, the, the entirety of scripture is, is, is coming alive in our current state. We are seeing Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Chronicles and Proverbs and Psalms and all these things take place. And this isn't even that theologically controversial. I'm not saying eschatology or all the other ologies. I'm just saying this is what scripture says pretty plainly. I'm going to do this because I promised this. And he did it. And we are witnessing it. And we can go fly on an LL plane for 10 hours and be in the promise. Yeah. And I, and I think you you nailed it when you said that there's a mirror image to that, that, that God's goodness toward Israel and his faithfulness and the way he has kept his promises is a trophy and is the proof of who God really is and what he's all about. And it's the proof of his relationship to us, right? As Christians, as believers, that he kept, keeps his promise to Israel, that he loves Israel is, is a picture of, his relationship to us. And a lot of times when I see people that they're really struggling to understand that God loves Israel and they're kind of, they have like a double standard and, and they also have a problem understanding how God loves them. And so if you can show them, this is why God loves Israel. And it's not about being perfect. It's not about anything other than God expressing his character to a, to a broken, hurting, imperfect world and saying, I made you in my image. I love you. And that's that. And I'm going to prove it and I'm going to show it. And when you, when I look at the modern state of Israel growing out of really a time of almost unprecedented persecution of the Jewish people, that, that to me looks like a miracle. Um, there's just no question about it. And I think at the end of the day, even, even if you're, if you're looking at the new Testament, you're looking in the book of Romans chapter 11, Paul talks to people just like us who are wondering what is this mystery what is this relationship and what does it mean and to sum up romans chapter 11 you could you could say something like god's not done with the jewish people he's not done with israel and they still have a role to play in his plan and how he expresses who he is to the world because and, and I'll, I'll toss it back over to you guys want your thoughts on this People will say, oh, well, you know, the Jewish people, the Bible says they didn't, they didn't believe in Jesus. They didn't recognize him as the Messiah. Um, 
And so how can you support them? And I always say the same answer. I say, it's not, it's not about what they believe. It's about what I believe. And if I'm, if I'm a Christian and if I'm following the teachings of Jesus, then I'm going to actually follow them and to love people. And I don't need them to believe just as I believe. And after hundreds of years of, of persecution, often by the church and often in the name of Christ, I can understand why a lot of, you know, a lot of Jewish people and perhaps other groups too have, you know, don't believe the way I believe, but it's not about what they believe. And if I, it's about what I believe and, and acting that out. So I, I'd love to hear you guys' thoughts on that. Romans 11 and, and God's relationship to, to Israel currently and all of that stuff. Yeah, you know, you know. First of all, I would say this again, and, and of course, Josh, what you said about Romans eleven, it's not about what they believe, and and I think that's where it all comes down to. It's it's what God has said, and we as believers of of, of Jesus, and and more than that, also a believer of God's word, is they're still the apple of God's eye. They belong to the Lord. They are the apple of God's eye. The Lord has made a covenant with them. With Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, which means the covenant still stands to this day. Uh, we must also consider that the Bible tells us that that we are to pray for Jerusalem, that we pray for the peace of Jerusalem on a daily basis, right? And and and, and again, these are these are scriptural principles that God has given to us regarding the, the people of Israel. Uh, the Bible says, you know, that I will bless those who bless you, right? I will I will curse those who curse you. All the blessings of the world will will come through you. So whether they believe what they what we believe or not, what we do see, and of course, here's what's cool, is we don't know the ending of the Jewish life. We don't know how God's going to end all this. We can go to different hypotheticals, different theological, you know, discussions and doctrinal debates about, you know, what's going to happen to the Jews at the end. All I do know is simply this, is that what Scripture says on how to bless the Jewish people, then we're going to follow that and bless the Jewish people. And, and what Scripture says when it comes to uh, God making a covenant with Jewish people, we're going to thank the Lord that God has made a covenant with the Jewish people. And we as a, as Christians are able to be grafted in to this whole thing. And I think that's what is the beauty of the Christian-Jewish relationship. And I think that's why the Israel Collective has been become, has become this amazing catalyst of bringing these two together. And so hopefully I made sense on that, but I just, I just think I'm just, I'm just, I'm just want to follow biblical principles, how God says for us to respond to them. That's so good. Yeah. And I think that that way presents the way forward. And speaking of our Palestinian friends, we have friends who who said, you know, I grew up in an environment where the textbooks had propaganda against Jewish people. I actually just read an article that there was just a report that they found hundreds of examples, again, of um, not only teachers, um, but also textbooks that were that there were their UN teachers and textbooks who who were, were pushing um, you know propaganda it was either Nazi propaganda it was quotes by Hitler or just different um, anti-semitic tropes that they were putting in the textbooks this is going on right now and our, our many of our Palestinian friends grew up in that environment and you go oh my gosh how do you how did you ever get out of that how did you ever see through it and see the truth and they say I read the Bible and I, I took the word seriously, and I took what God said about his character and his relationship to the Jewish people seriously. We also have, have talked to many Palestinian friends of ours who, you know, would say, hey, it's changing, um, but historically, it's been very hard to find a, 
uh, an entire Bible, right? Yeah. Um, amongst the Greek Orthodox community, the Roman Catholic community, and even the evangelical community. Uh, historically, for our Palestinian brothers and sisters, it's been hard to find a Bible that doesn't start in Matthew. Um, and so without having any foundation to who Yeshua is, um, I think your, your faith is, and I think that's, that's the beauty of when we go on these trips to Israel, is when we reinstitute the Jewishness of Jesus, when we give people joy for all 66 books, it's like there's like a revival amongst these leaders, right? And so I think you're starting to slowly see that amongst our Palestinian brothers and sisters. Granted, as you said, there's a long hill to climb, but when you reinstitute the, the, the entirety of scripture, it starts to soften the heart to be like, okay, maybe the reason that I have so many, so much pain and so much grievance is maybe there's something else happening here. You know, I think one quick example would be why did Yasser Arafat die with billions of dollars in his bank account? Um, and that's just one little sliver, you know, like maybe that, and I think what it is, is when people get out of that, and I'm not judging because I, you know, I'd probably be the same way if I grew up in a refugee camp, but like you, you're only told one thing and to, to, to question that one thing is to almost turn your back on your family and your, and your, and your culture. So you better be darn sure that you know what you're doing, but the, the, our Palestinian brothers and sisters that have start to at least be open-minded to, to one, reading all the scripture and two, questioning why there is this situation. And that's, that's the, um, the challenge. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and that, that pathway that scripture provides is a way out of this age old, um, you know, false dichotomy of you have to choose one side or the other. And if, if you can, if you can grow up in, in the Gaza strip, or you can grow up in a refugee camp in the West bank, and be just saturated with all of this anti-Jewish, anti-Israel propaganda. If you can, if you can even escape it from from that point, and read the scripture and then see the truth, then it, every you know what's everybody else's excuse? If they can do it, we can all do it. And you can you can see what's really going on and see that there is a way forward that supports both people groups. And I think that's exactly what the you know doing things God's way and reading the scriptures provides us with is this common ground where we don't have to choose one side or the other. So when it says pray for the peace of Jerusalem, it means everybody in Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is a beautiful, diverse city. And so I think what we see is um, through through supporting Israel and saying, hey, you know, anti-Semitism is wrong, anti-Israel attacks and so on are wrong. You are, you're stepping into a common ground where you're advocating for what's best for everybody in the Middle East because everybody is suffering because of this hatred that's being forced on them. And this is the, this is the pathway out. And in the Israel Collective, we have Israelis and Palestinians and you know, almost any category of person you can name, they have a, they have a place in our program uh, and in our alumni community. So that's right. That's right, Josh. And I'll even, I'll even say like this and, and you brought, you brought up the scripture and that's, that's probably one of the most dynamic scriptures that we can ever read in the script in the, in the Bible, John three sixteen, right? Uh, and I think that's what that that's what makes the scripture so incredible as Christians and believers in Christ is that we're called to love one another. So that's why I want to make sure that those who want to know about the Israel Collective, that just because it's Israel Collective doesn't mean that we don't love anybody else. 
or that we don't support anybody else. It just, um, it, so thank you for bringing that up. Cause I think that's, that's important that now we love, we love all men and all people yeah. uh, as Christ Absolutely. does. Yeah. Absolutely, man. And the, the attacks that Israel is receiving are unique. And so it needs a unique specific response that is an exact response to those attacks. And so that's why the Israel collective exists because if, if, there is a specific attack, it needs a specific response. So uh, what, what do you guys think people can do if, if they wanna learn more and if they want to share the truth of Israel and the broader Middle East, where would, where would you direct them to go? I guess I'll start and I'll say, um, our parent organization, Christians United for Israel, you can go to cufi.org and they have a ton of resources, uh, films and studies and primers and a daily email that sends you the latest news you can stay plugged in in that way. And I, I know we've got a lot more stuff. So uh, what, what are your guys' favorite things to send people to? If you want to learn more about Ezra Collective, call Josh. His number is 555. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so <laughs> first off, um, one of the things that we put a lot of time and effort into is our short films and our videos. You can see them basically anywhere. Our Instagram, um, our Twitter, our Facebook. <clears throat> but if there's one platform that we're, we're particularly um, stoked on, it's YouTube. So it's just search Israel Collective. It's a channel. Uh, you'll see a little IC icon um, and watch our videos. Um, subscribe to our channel, like our videos. Um, but yeah, we, we put a lot of time and effort into sharing the stories that like you're hearing on this podcast today that, that at least make you think, that make you wonder, that make you, man, what has God up to? Or man, like help me understand the situation or man, you know, tell me more about Jerusalem. Um, and that's, that's kind of uh, what these videos are all about. No, it's very good. So I would say, again, piggybacking on Josh and Raj, again, uh, kufi.org. Uh, check out the YouTube channel that the Israel Collective has. Make sure you, um, you uh, subscribe for our podcast. And I'm, I'm going to add one more. That's, that's kufiandcampus.org. Go to check out kufiandcampus.org. They have amazing resources for you to read. Uh, just go to the resource uh, page and everything from everything about Israel and history, uh, man, it, it, it's, it's great stuff. You definitely want to uh, check that out for sure. That's so good, man. Yeah. If anybody is, is living out the call to speak up in defense of our Israeli friends, Kufi on campus is doing it because the, as we know, the college campus is the target uh, for anti-Israel, anti-Semitic materials to make their way into the bloodstream of our society and the students who, who stand up on their campus and speak up on behalf of Israel, they are just doing amazing, amazing courageous work. So excellent. Well, guys, this has been an awesome conversation. Looking forward to the next one. So much more to talk about. And um, we'll see you next time. The Israel Collective is an initiative of Christians United for Israel. To learn more about us, head to israelcollective.org. Follow our Instagram, and if you want to get active and get involved, check out Christians United for Israel at cufi.org. We've got amazing educational resources, daily updates and emails, and just a ton of ways to learn, take action, make friends, and make a difference. There's a place for everyone at Kufi, so head on over. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed that, and we'll see you next time.